0: Okay. Please rise for the reading of God's word. We are in 2nd Peter, going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through 2nd Peter. 2nd Peter chapter 1. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Anyone need a Bible? If you do, Bibles? Stevo over hero. All right. 2nd <laughs> Peter chapter 1. Verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Verse 4 by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this very reason. Giving all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that we can come here and your word can come to life, Lord, as any time we open the word of God, it does. And I just pray this morning as we're together, together as a family, Lord, uh, you would bring this word to life for us, Lord. We need it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So Second Peter, a, a letter written by the apostle Peter just before he was put to death by the Roman emperor, Nero, uh, for his faith. Later on in this very chapter, he actually acknowledges that he's about to die. I I think what was probably the case, he had been told when his execution date was, and he writes down these words, What what a treasure for us that we have, this man who hung out with Jesus uh, for three years, his final words. Now, this letter, very different from the first one, 1 Peter, uh, was mainly uh, to instruct and encourage the church who was under intense persecution at the time. Suffering, intense suffering uh, at the time. Uh, This letter, really, it's very different. It's mainly a warning about false teachers and false prophets who had crept by now into the church. Something, by the way, that Jesus said was very clear. He said it would happen. Don't be surprised. When you see some preacher or evangelist fall somewhere or turns out they're a wolf, first thing I always tell people, it's not like Jesus didn't tell us this was going to happen. And so that's a lot of this letter is about false uh, prophets and false teachers who had uh, crept into... The church Now in verse 2 as we began, uh, it, last week we were in these verses, it says grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he says in verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So Let's break that verse down very quickly uh, as we did uh, last week. The first part of the verse, I think, better translated in the original NIV version, uh, which I grew up on. This was the version that I uh, read for the first 10 years, still uh, a good version of the Bible. His divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness. Just notice it doesn't say his divine power has given us some things. Needed for life and godliness? No, everything, it says. Everything for what? Well, he says two things here. I was with a couple brothers this week, and we were talking about, I was talking to them about how to mark your Bible. Please feel free to mark your Bible. Uh, That's what it's there for. Whenever you see a list in a verse, there's lots of lists in the Bible, just put, but number them. Put a little one before life and two before Godliness. Two things His divine power has given us: one for life. Life, as we talked about last week, uh, includes dealing with everything that's behind us, all that gunk that is part of our past. Whatever sin we did, whatever was done to, uh, uh, or whatever sin was done to us, however deep, however ugly, God has given us everything we need to deal with that now. That's what this verse says. Life, not only what is behind us, but also in front of us. The the life that God has called us to. Reading about that life this this morning in these uh, later verses. Uh, his, His divine power has given us everything we need for life. And number two, for godliness. Second part of the verse says this. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Now that knowledge is much more than just knowing facts about Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Jesus was cru- crucified on a cross. Jesus is God, the Son of God. Those are facts about Jesus. This word here is so much more than that. Th- th- this word here, it- it- it's, it's about coming into a personal relationship with Jesus, coming to know him Personally. I know facts about President Obama. I don't know him personally. This word here, very different if you do the word study in the original language, the Greek. It's about coming into a personal relationship with him. No better verse, I think, than Revelation 3.20. That's why I say, quoted all the time, this is Jesus speaking. Behold, I, Jesus, stand at the door and knock. The door of what? Your heart, your life. Some of you, he's knocking on that door door this morning if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come into him and dine with him and he with me what a strange concept dining with Jesus that's what he wants to do with you I'd never understood those concepts until I was 24 years old started reading the Bible for myself And so when it comes here, his divine power, verse 3, has given you all things you need for life and godliness through the personal relationship with Jesus is what it's saying. Then he continues in verse 4. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. I'll pause. Just think about what you just read there. That you may be partakers of the divine nature. That you may take full advantage of God's spirit who now lives in you. Because you opened up the door. You was knocking and you opened up the door. That, you, that God's supernatural power may work through you. Amazing verse. But then it continues having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, that word lust, we just think is sexual lust. Much broader than that. Lust uh, for power, lust for control, lust to to have me first every time, all the time. That's what lust is. It's about me, 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 me. Verse 5. But also, for this very reason, Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. So let's put these all up here. Here you go. Here's this list. Now, we're going to spend actually two weeks on this list. Two weeks. Because this is is important stuff. This is important stuff here. Faith, the next one, this translation says virtue. I prefer moral excellence in the original New International Version. Knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Verse 8 says, we can keep that list on the, uh, on the projection screen, Sean, and just, just want to go to verse 8 now. It says, for if these things are yours and they abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning that your fruit will abound that I, I, or if you want to be fruitful too, way too many Christians walking around barren and unfruitful, no fruit in their life nothing in their life which attracts anyone to God I don't want to be like that, neither do you I don't want to spend a couple, I don't want to spend the rest of my life barren and unfruitful I want to be full I want to be attractive in the sense that I'm attracting the world to Jesus. But before we get into this, uh, into this list, we need to, to talk about what comes uh, immediately before the list in verse 5. Let's, let's just spend a little time with that. It says, but also for this very reason. For this very reason is the way that the verse starts, or you could say, because of this very thing, because of what very thing, but because of what reason? Well, it's just referring right back to verse three because you know Jesus, because you have a personal relationship with Him, because you have His power, and therefore you have everything you need for life and godliness. Add to your faith, virtue, add to your virtue, knowledge, add to the knowledge, self control. You understand says, for this reason. Now notice, it's not the other way around. Nothing could be more important. It does not say, add to your faith, virtue, knowledge, and self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly, kindness, and love, so that you can have Jesus. It does not say, Add your faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, guidance, brotherly, brotherly, kindness, and love so that you can get the divine power, so that you can participate in the divine nature. No, that's religion. Religion will crush you. Religion always does. Where you have to first pursue these things in order to sort of get to God. Religion is sort of, if you reverse these things, it's like a ladder, you're sort of climbing up and then God is at the top. And, and, and religion says, because you have these things or as you add these things in your life, then, then you have divine power. Then you have Jesus living in you. Christianity is a personal relationship. It's precisely the opposite. It's the opposite. It says because verse 3 and 4 you have this divine power. Because you have Jesus. Verse 2 calls him God living inside of you. Because of those because of that pursue these things. Why? Because you can. <laughs> because you have Jesus living inside of you. The apostles came to Jesus right after he told them in the book of Luke, right after he told them if someone comes to you 7 times in one day, they have wronged you 7 times in a single day and each time in a single day they they say I'm sorry I did that. Forgive me. He said every single time you need to forgive them. Every single time. You know what they said next? What did they say next? Anyone? Anyone remember? Very good. Lord, increase our faith. In other words, How on earth are we ever going to do that? That's impossible. You're right, it is. You remember what his response was? He said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree. A mulberry tree was one of those trees that its root system was so deep, it was like impossible to pull up. You can say to this mulberry tree, pull up and be planted in the sea, and it will be done. What he was saying, you have it. You've been given it. And it's the same thing here. That's what Christianity is. Because of who you have become. You've become in Christ. You've done it by faith. Because of that, pursue these things. Okay. So verse 5 continues. It says, with all diligence... With all diligence, add these things, add faith, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly, kindness, love. With all diligence. So let's pause. You know, sometimes we, we incorporate expressions, and they're not really in the Bible, but they become a part of who we are. And they really work against what the Bible teaches us to do. Let me give you an example of that. You ever hear the expression, let go and let God? Ever hear that? I happen to like that. I happen to think it's a good expression. I use it sometimes. However, why do we use that? We use that expression, let go. I just need to let go. And let God why do we we use it when we realise we have kept God out of whatever we're doing. That's what we that's why we use that expression. We become incredibly frustrated with the circumstances that we find ourselves in and the reason we're we are frustrated. Why? It's because we've left God out. So we, we finally realize that and I just go, Let go, let God. That's where we're at this morning, by the way you're incredibly frustrated because the circumstances of your life, you need to let go and let God. All that said, don't think that letting go and letting God means you do nothing. No, 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 no. That's not what it means. Peter says here with all diligence, not some diligence, all diligence, Add these things to your, to your faith. Add these things. And guess what? That is hard work. I think no verse puts it better than 1 Corinthians 9, and 25 through 27. This is the Apostle Paul saying, everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. Any athlete here knows that. Therefore, this is 1 Corinthians 9, 25, 26, and 27. I do not run like a man running aimlessly. Some of you t- this morning, you're just running aimlessly in your Christian life. I do not run like a man running aimlessly, but I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and I make it my slave. Oh, my. Man tells it like it is. With all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Now that word diligence, there again, originally the the, the New Testament written in Greek, really interesting word. In the original Greek, uh, it's, it's the word spoudos, which means make haste, which means be in a big hurry, even be in a rush. Or react, make haste. Which and so there is a sense of urgency there. Now, now he's saying, add to your faith, virtue to virtue, moral excellence, the moral excellence, knowledge, and so forth. So let me let, let me pause and just review. You may be asking. You may be a little confused, and you're thinking, so so. What pastors he so what's God's responsibility and, 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 and what's mine? This is like confusing. You're saying it's all God, but then with all diligence and beating the air and making your body. So what, what, explain that more to me. I found a quote by D.A. Uh, D. Carson. He's a theologian. And he put it like this. This is good. It is neither, in other words, our responsibility or this, this whole sort of biblical pattern. It's not, it's neither let go and let God, nor God has done his bit and now it's all up to you. But rather, since God is powerfully at work in you, you yourselves must make every effort. So now that we've quoted D.A. Carson, uh, let's, let's quote the Apostle Paul. This is what he said. I labored, I worked more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. I love that. Great verse. So is everyone with me? Sort of? Kind of? Yes? No? Yeah? Okay? Yeah? Okay. (laughs) I see more nodding heads than otherwise, so we will go on. So again. Here's our list. Faith, moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Now, this is important. You should not look at these things as sort of climbing up a ladder in the sense that you know, first you got you to gotta get your moral excellence, your ver- ver- virtue out of the way. And, and you wait until that's sort of accomplished till you move on uh, to the next thing. Uh, no, the, 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 the whole sense here of these verses is you should be like gobbling up all of these at the same time. Th- this is, uh, you're doing it really, all these things with all diligence at every opportunity. However... That said, I personally believe that there is a progression here. I believe that these represent stages of Christian growth. They are a picture, sort of a picture of, of where you're at in your walk with God. For example, faith, the very first one. When you're born again, at the beginning of your Christian life, the Bible says that you must be born again. Nicodemus, in chapter 3, asked Jesus, well, what does that mean? Does it mean I have to go back into my mother's womb? And Jesus says, no. It says you must, you, you were, what he more or less said was, you were born dead spiritually, as all men is, because we've inherited Adam's sin, Eve's sin, but we must be born again. We were born in the natural. We must be born again in the sense that we need to be born of the Spirit. And, and you know, when you're born again at the beginning of your Christian life, when you enter into a relationship with God, or as, as the Apostle Paul puts it, when you were translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God, all you had was your faith. In a sense, you were naked when you began your walk with God. You, you, you may have tried to cover yourself with something, just like Adam did, when he said he was ashamed, he covered himself with fig leaves. You, see, you may try to cover yourself, oh man, I, I can't come to God with all these bad things I've done in my life. Let me try to cover myself with something. I'll try to cover myself with morality, or, or I'll try to cover myself with brotherly kindness or love. Not a chance. God doesn't accept any of that, the Bible says, that All the righteous acts you and I try to cover our nakedness with are like filthy rags. The Bible says the best thing, the thing you must do is throw all the dirty rags off and come to him by faith. God, I need you. So faith, stage number one. But then, you know, what happens is after you come to the kingdom of God, you go about getting rid of all that bad stuff. We'll talk a lot about that next week. What it means—that moral excellence, that number two there—and and and it is—it's a wonderful period because you're cleaning stuff out of your life that has just made you miserable. Again, it's not like at that stage you're not loving. Well, I don't have to love anyone, thank God. I'm, you know, I've only been a Christian six months. No, it's, that's, not, that's not how it works. But at the same time, I do think these represent stages. And then the next stage, knowledge. What's that? It's the word of God. You, you just start devouring the word of God, and you're in that stage. But guess what? You, you really have issues with self-control. Self-control really develops a little further on in, you know, in, in the Christian walk. And, and then perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and then love. The end of faith is love. 1 Corinthians 13 says, without love, we are nothing. Now, please don't take this the wrong way, but I personally, I personally, I've never known a new believer whose life was characterized by love. They, they had bits and pieces. Oh, yes, absolutely. But let me tell you, love, love, agape love, is about dying. It's about dying every day to self. It's about dying every day, all day, to self. And let me tell you, that takes years. That takes decades. And guess what? I'm not there yet. I'm a couple decades away from that. I'm encouraged by the Apostle John. He wrote 1 John when he was 90 years old. By then, man, that dude was the apostle of love. (laughs) I mean, he mentions it like 30 times uh, in the letter. It doesn't mean he was a wimp. He was a very courageous man. At that point, oh man! In that same letter, does he does he really confront wickedness? He's a very courageous man, but he's all about love. He is all about love, and this was the guy who, in the Gospels, Jesus named him and his brother James sons of thunder because they had such bad tempers. They the, Jesus told him he was going to Jesus was going to Jerusalem, and he said. Go before the, the, go to the cities on the way and just tell them I'm coming and prepare a place for me. Went to one city, it was a Samaritan village, and and James they told James and John get out of here, we don't want Jesus here. And, and he they came back, John did, and and he, he said to Jesus, Jesus, do you want us to call fire from heaven and torch that city and kill them all? It's the same guy, <laughs> same guy in the in the book of John. It's like, are you going to mention love a thirtieth time? I mean, really. A complete transformation. I don't know about you. That is beautiful to me. That's beautiful. That is so encouraging. But listen, the message from, from th- th- these verses, can we put up the list again? Thanks. The message from the, <laughs> he's really, Sean's reading my mind, yeah. The, 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 the message from these verses that you never, ever, ever stop growing. You never, ever, ever think you have arrived. Don't ever think that. You, You never, ever, ever step out of the battle. And let me tell you, the older you get, the more tempting it is. I will tell you, the older you get, the more tempting it is. I put in my time in this battle. I deserve retirement. I deserve a break today. Didn't McDonald's just tell me that? That's a confirmation. I need to do that. (laughs) Let me tell you what the Bible says. What these verses 5 through 7 say is either you're moving forward or you're moving backward. No such thing as treading water. Let me read you a true story. It's chronicled by a man named Richard Boning, and it's entitled, of all things, Glenda's Long Swim. Someone, some of us kn- affectionately know a Glenda here, but, um, and it also takes place in Florida. I don't think it's the Glenda that we know uh, who moved to Florida, but um, uh, it, says, uh, it says this, Glenda and Robert Lennon were four miles off the coast of Florida, yeah, I think we believe it was the Gulf, the Gulf Coast, fishing alone from their yacht. Glenda decided to take a swim and soon found that the current had carried her too far from the boat. Her husband, hearing her cries without thinking, dove in and swam to her. But then he realized they were both being carried out. Now, he was a champion swimmer, but not she, so they made this plan. He would swim against the tide to keep the boat in view until the tide ceased, and then he could reach the boat. But she would save her strength and just float with the tide, and he would come and get her. He fought the tide for six hours. He fought the current for six hours. Just as the boat was about to disappear on the horizon, the current turned, and his strokes carried him to the boat exhausted the sun had set his searching was futile he could not find his wife that night at the hotel the hotel owner found out what happened he's very familiar with the, the, the shore currents on the gulf coast they, they planned uh, a rescue mission the next morning one last effort to find her they found her 20 miles out 20 miles out alive you know i mentioned at the beginning of this letter this letter second peter peter's about to die he knows he's going to die these are his last words and this letter is about false prophets false teachers Now, he really gears up on that subject in chapter 2. Oh, boy, you better be ready for that chapter. But here in chapter 1, guess what? He's still addressing false prophets. He's addressing the false prophet who lives inside of you. The false teacher. Otherwise known as the flesh. Some Bible translations call it the old man, the old woman. And this false prophet who lives in you, the flesh, has a voice. And the voice says, listen, man, you're cool. You are so cool. You've been in this race long enough. You've paid your due. It's time to retire. Haven't you ever heard that word grace? It's time to retire in the grace of God. Just rest in Jesus. Relax in the Lord. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, if you listen to that voice and to what that false prophet says, you'll wind up so many miles away from where God once had you, you'll be unrecognizable. I say within a few years. And let me tell you, there's nothing so tragic as running into a Christian who you knew in years past and oh, they're the shell of the woman, the man they used to be. Nothing so tragic. What happened? They listened to the false prophet who lived inside of them. They listened to him. There's so many voices saying this nowadays. They listened to the false teacher inside of them which told them to stop. Listen, if you're here this morning And you have stopped. Good news. There is grace. Grace to start right back up. Grace that, by the way, the Bible says, covers everything in your past, which happened before you were a Christian and after you are a Christian. Covers everything. Covers your sins in the future. Your dumb decisions in the past, your dumb decisions that you have yet to make. But grace is never, ever, ever given to you for you to stop. Ever. Continue on with all diligence. Why is that? Why? Why is, it, why is it God wants us to be so diligent, working so hard? You know why? Because if we stop, we'll leave him out. That's just part of our fallen nature. Not until we're in heaven or we get a glorified body in his return. We're, we're just, that's our nature. If we stop and float, we, we, we just lose connection with God. And before, before long, we're just miles away. On the contrary, if nothing more encouraging to me as someone who's been walking, not for the longest period of time, but I have been walking with the Lord for 25 years. Nothing as encouraging as running to someone from your past and, oh, it's like a breath of fresh air. I mean, they were living uh, for Jesus uh, 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 years ago, but wow, you feel like you're rubbing up against the Lord now when you're with them. Some of you are thinking, oh, that will never be me. Stop listening to that false prophet. I hear that all the time. Oh, that will never be. Like that guy talking up there in that pulpit. Stop listening to that false prophet who lives inside of you. So encouraging to me. One of the guys I'm so encouraged with is, happens to be a former pastor of mine, Pastor Robert. He was at the men's retreat with us. He was here on Sunday morning. I'm telling you, when I met Robert, it was in Miami. I was born around here, moved away when I was nine, found myself in Miami, stumbled into Robert's church he had just began, and he really, really, really needed help. And the more I got to know the guy, the more I realized, and he'd be the first one to say this, by the way, he was a mess. I mean, that guy was a mess. I wasn't prepared for what a mess I was seeing. It actually became a problem. (laughs) He's beginning a church in the middle of one of the craziest places on the planet Earth, South Beach. He was a mess. And I remember thinking to myself, this guy, the most this ministry is ever going to be is a little lighthouse mission thing. This guy's never going to be able to be a pastor of of a normal church. Guess who I was listening to? The false prophet in me, because I can prophesy that about myself, and I can also look at other people and say, that person, <laughs> they're always, they're, they're, they're never going to change. That's the false prophet. That's the flesh. That's unbelief. The Bible says, in the, embedded in your flesh is unbelief in the Word of God. The Word of God has something better. It says, not only you, but every person who has received the Lord. Verse 3. It says, his divine power has given us all things we need for life and godliness. His divine power has all given us all things we need for one, life, and two, godliness. You ever wonder why I can get up here and, I mean, I've been teaching the Bible for 20 years. How's that guy get up there and yell and scream and, and jump like he does? You ever wonder why? It's because God has given me everything I need for life and godliness. And let me tell you, more than ever before, Pastor Scott and I have been talking about this, more than ever before, it's a privilege to be in ministry. It's a privilege to be a shepherd. And to be a minister of God. 25 years into it. It's a privilege. You know, out in the world. You know, you go into a a university or whatever. And there's a tenured professor. He's been doing it for 25 years. I remember one of my teachers uh, at at the university. Uh, He's like, he's an old guy. He called himself Ralph the Reader. And that's what he would do. Okay, Ralph the Reader. (sighs) And he would just read. The whole lecture was just reading. It was it was awful. But guess what? But for the grace of God, go me. But praise the Lord. You have so much to look forward to. You have so much to look forward to. As we, as we, can we just put the? Actually, it's not Sean. It's Dave. Sorry, Dave. It's been do you, Dave all along. We have so much to, to, to look forward to. Faith. Virtue, knowledge, self-control. Man, someday I'm going to have self-control. Yeah. Perseverance, godliness. Brotherly kindness, which means to like. You mean I'll like, I'll actually like the people I'm around someday? Yeah. And then love. Dying to self. The opposite of love is self. You guys, you all have so much to look forward to. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. We're just going to close with a worship song. If you've been asked to pray, please come up. You know, maybe you have just stopped. The Bible says that does happen. You've hung, you've hung your Christian walk on the coat hanger. Maybe for for three months, maybe for three years, maybe for decades, you're sitting here, and that's been the case. The grace of God (laughs) is here for you this morning. The Bible says that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence, not because of anything we've ever done, but because of the blood of Christ, to receive grace and mercy in our time of need. So if you've stopped, man, don't be ashamed. This is a family. As Osagi was saying at the beginning of the service, this is a family here. we we'll just pray for you. Or maybe you're sitting here this morning, and remember we put up that verse. Jesus says, I, Jesus, stand at the door of your life and knock. Knock, 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 knock. You've never really opened the door and said, God, I want to get off the throne of my own life, and I want you in. If you've never done that, come, come forward to pray. If you have anything else on your mind, just come forward to pray as we sing the closing song. Why don't you rise? We'll worship. As Dan said during the worship time, maybe you want to kneel, then kneel and worship the Lord. Maybe you do need to sit and just do business with God sitting during this closing time. But also, if you, if you want prayer, fear is not from God. If you're fearful, it's like, oh, I'm just too scared to go up there. It's not from God. Come up, and we'll pray for you as the worship team begins.